You're listening to a bonus episode, A Black Mother's Letter to America. I recorded this episode during our daily show on May 7th and decided to release it as a bonus episode on the podcast. On February 23rd, 2020, Ahmaud Arbery was killed for running while black. As I recorded and released this episode, his killers have not been brought to justice. This is yet another instance that has left black America mourning the loss of a son. I share my heart from the perspective as a black mother, wife, sister, and friend. You can show your support by contacting Governor Kemp's office at 404-656-1776 with three demands. Justice for Ahmad, including the immediate arrest of Greg and Travis McMichael, and any accomplices, those in the second truck pursuing Ahmad. The GBI take full control of the case from local authorities with an exhaustive investigation and appropriate charges. The launch of an investigation into police and prosecutorial misconduct within the Glenn County Police Department and Waycross District Attorney's Office. Also, text JUSTICE to 55156. Text JUSTICE to 55156 or sign the petition in the show notes to demand the immediate resignation of district attorneys George Barnhill and Jackie Johnson. I'm super excited, um, or maybe not so super excited about today's episode. Um, I put on there that we're having an honest and an open conversation. And um, I don't know how inspirational that is or empowering that people may think that is, but it's a conversation that I think needs to be said, um, especially coming off of the heels of yesterday when we really talked about, you know, what are your um, non-negotiables? What are your boundaries? And so I think that I have actually uh, been tagged with that, just thinking about a couple things that are going on. You may be wondering, Portia, what is going on? You don't seem like yourself. Well, you know what? Today I'm not. And I have to be honest that I didn't even want to do this show, that I had a lot I was thinking about. And so if it seems that I am frazzled, if it seems that my mind is somewhere else, it is because it is. And so that's the reason why I wanted to have this open conversation. Yesterday, we talked a little bit about um, our boundaries. We talked a little bit about our non-negotiables. And one of the things that I said was that I wanted to live a life of integrity. And sometimes that integrity looks different. Sometimes that character looks different. I always talk about waking up and showing up. And it's much easy to rah-rah and cheerlead and be um, inspirational uh, when, when maybe things are going great. And today, things are not going so great, but I showed up and I'm showing up. And today's conversation is about showing up. And sometimes showing up is uncomfortable. Sometimes showing up is not the popular thing, but I wanted to show up today and I wanted to have a very open and honest conversation with you guys. Last night, I had actually heard about all the craziness that was going on um, in the midst of Corona in the midst of all these things, in the midst of being progressive. um, Yes, we have come so far, but we have not come far enough. You know, last night I had a really hard time and I had a really hard time sleeping last night because of Ahmaud Arbery. And I, you know what I thought about and the reason why I couldn't sleep 
is because when I finally did get to sleep, um, I had visions in my head, not of him because I didn't watch the video because I don't think that watching black women and men being gunned down in the streets is entertainment. Um, and I can't take it. My spirit, my soul cannot take it because I have not only sons, I have a husband, I have family, I have friends. And last night while I slept, I tossed because I saw a picture of this guy. Yep, that guy. That guy, this smiling guy, is my 23-year-old son who is currently serving in the Navy. He has done countless ceremonies at the Pentagon. He was chosen to be on the honor guard right after basic training for the Navy where he went on to D.C. and he has done amazing things in his career. And I tossed and turned because I thought about this guy. And I thought that because in this picture, he has on a baseball cap. He's not in his military uniform. How many people would see him as a threat? I thought about this picture. And if you look close, you can see my son and my husband have on a Lakers cap. And sometimes they wear those Lakers cap to the back. My son isn't in his precious Christian private school uniform. My husband isn't in a business suit the way he usually travels when he's traveling for business around the world or even domestically. Nope. They're wearing baseball caps. And you know what happens when black men wear baseball caps? Sometimes they are perceived as inhumane. They're perceived as threats. My son, you see him right there? I'm going to put up a bigger picture because I want you to see how much he smiles. Do you see that big old smile? That big old smile, that little boy up under that cap, he has dreads. And sometimes he likes to wear a hoodie. And I thought about the fact that at six, he is, he's not a threat. At six, he doesn't pose a threat and he can wear his hoodie and he can wear his dreads any way that he wants to. And he's cute. But I thought about what happens when my six-year-old is 16 and he has his dreads. And he has his hoodie. And he can't walk down the streets of a neighborhood uh, that we purchased a house in because we thought it was a nice area. And that he won't even, I won't even think that's safe. You know, I, I thought about my husband who travels internationally and domestically. My husband who just happens um, to be a pastor. When he walks through the Atlanta airport... And he has on his Nike jogging suit. And every now and then he has his hair natural. And so what somebody else may call unkempt, unkept, that he may be perceived as a threat. Oh, and then there's, there's another guy that's really close to my heart. This guy, this guy, this husband of over almost 40 years, this father for almost 40 years, this worker that goes to work every single day, served in the military, that guy that I'm afraid that the time that his car broke down and he had to walk from home to work at night, 
that I was afraid. And I told him, Daddy, you're not safe to walk the streets of Norcross at night because you could be a threat. You're a dark man. You're a dark-skinned black man. And sometimes that's even scarier. And you're kind of big. He's short, but he's stout. And God forbid somebody mistakes you for somebody else because all black men look alike, right? So I had a hard time sleeping last night thinking about the men that are closest to me, my two sons, my husband, my father, the plethora of men that are part of the community of our church, the plethora of men that I served with in the military that put their life on the line in Iraq, in Afghanistan, in Djibouti, Africa, that went to Bosnia, that went to the Middle East. All of these men that I served with that, that, that put their lives on the line for a country that they cannot run down the street in. I thought about my, my, my kid's godfather who retired from the military and still runs 10 miles. And I never thought that that would be an issue. And now I'm thinking maybe you shouldn't run so far away from home. I, I, I thought about my brother-in-law who's currently in the military and runs like a beast too and loves to run. And so now the thing that brings them joy scares their family to even go out and see. I had these images because my son, again, who worked at the Pentagon, who did these amazing ceremonies, when we bought his car, you know what? We made sure that his car was registered in my husband's name or my name so that we could put vet tags on the back of his car. Why did we want to put vet tags on the on his car? Because we were hoping that if he got stopped in his Ford Fiesta, a dark-skinned Black man, that the cops would be more um, understanding of a Black son of a veteran that was also a soldier himself. Yeah, these, these conversations that we have, the stress that we have just because the color of our skin kept me up at night. It kept me up last night because I had images of that six-year-old brown boy with dimples smiling, who's as smart as a whip. I thought about what happens when he drives and somebody may think that he's a threat because of the dreads in his hair or because of the color of his skin. I couldn't sleep last night because I thought about uh, a friend of mine whose son had just gotten his license and they were buying him his first car and his first car just happened to be a Mercedes. And I remember praying and praying and praying night after night because I was so worried because the city that he lives in is known for racism. The city that he lives in, a cop could come in or somebody can say, I don't think that he should or could be driving that car unless he stole it. Yeah, those are the things 
that a black mama, that a black grandma, that a black sister, a friend thinks about. And the black man isn't the only thing that's under attack, but it's the black woman too. I, I, I couldn't sleep last night. And then this morning I woke up and I had had a, a interview with someone and she wrote a message that said, I'm a white mama and I don't worry about my sons, my husband, my friends and my family going out the door and not coming back. But I do worry about my black friend mamas that have to worry about this all the time. That's why I did this, because I know that our community isn't all black. And so we need people, not just us, but people to stand with us. I need people to understand and to humanize these black men. So that's why I have the picture of my father with his family. So you can humanize that black men, the color of their skin, that they're human too. I needed to humanize my husband and my six-year-old son so you could understand that they have feelings too. I needed you to see the picture of my 23-year-old son so that you can humanize him too. I needed it not to be a thing of whether or not he messed up and had a criminal background that that made it free and that made it okay for somebody to gun them down. I think about the fact that we live in a nice neighborhood. And when I was growing up, I wanted to make sure that my kids lived somewhere nice, that I could send them to private school with no problems, but never thought that if my 12-year-old daughter is walking down the street, maybe with a group of other girls that live in the same neighborhood, that their parents can't afford to live there, that they were not there causing trouble, that she could have a party in the backyard without a police pulling her and making her feel dehumanized. But that's not true. We've come far, but we haven't come far enough. And I'm also hoping that my pastor, and my Christian friends, don't Jesus-fy racism, don't Jesus-fy this injustice, that the same color, the same people that sit in your pews, that praise the God of love, that you would be able to Jesus-fy this because we can't. Racism is racism. I, I don't want to see another post where you talk about Black on black crime. Because when we think about the years of slavery and we think about the years of lynching and we think about the years of social injustice, I can tell you that black on black crime is but a small percentage of other people killing black people. It's this. This is the reason why we need our friends that maybe don't have black and brown skin to stand with us, to say, this is uncomfortable, but I stand with you. And guess what? I don't even have the answers, but what do you need? That's what we need is what Aaron just said. A pastor here that sent a message to my husband earlier to say, listen, this is heartbreaking and I don't know what to do, but I'm with you. That's, that's what this, this means. It's, it's, it's a sad day when I can't even sit in my house 
and my neighbors may call the police because they actually thought somebody uh, uh, was hurting me. And then the police come and they shoot through the window only to find that I was playing the Wii. I, 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 I couldn't sleep last night and I tossed and turned about whether or not I wanted to use my platform, whether or not it would even make a difference, whether or not how many people would stop listening to the podcast or the daily show together. And then I remembered that just yesterday I talked about what are your non-negotiables? My non-negotiables are, is that as a black mama, as a black daughter, as a black friend, I, I, I can't not talk about this. I can talk about getting your goals and I can talk about going after it. But you know what? This black mama is under a stress that I didn't ask for. This black mama holds a stress every time a cop gets behind the car of me and my husband. This black mama holds the stress of every black mother that is lost somebody because the color of their skin and I'm not the only black mama hurting weeping for yet another promised soul taken too soon and so I hope that my friends that see me this is black this is humanity those pictures of those boys, that little boy, when he, he grew up, he wanted to be a cook. And now he's serving in the United States Navy in Rhoda. This guy, this guy served in the military and would take a bullet and go to war on behalf of a country. Even during his time growing up, he was still being called a boy but he loved this country so much that he signed up. Don't get it wrong that we all didn't go in for the college money, but some of us went in because we actually love and believe that this country can be a better place. You see that dude back there? Yeah, he served his country too. He's human. You see how we're holding him because we love him? You see that little six-year-old boy? with so promise, so much promise that he doesn't even know that in a year or two, I got to have the conversation with him that sometimes people won't like him for the color of his skin, that I had to explain to him just this year that the reason why somebody said him and another girl in his class should get married because they're the same skin color at six years old that I have to explain to him that. So I want you to look at these pictures. These are humans. These are people that have people that love them, that have promise and that have life. I still believe in people. I still believe that we can create a kinder world. And I don't believe that everybody is out to get us. But I can't stand here and act like it's not happening and act like it's not real. I still believe in this world. I still believe in this country, but I also know that we can no longer put our heads in the sand and act like it's not happening. And so this was a hard one to do, and I did it for every Black mama, 
every black daddy, every grandma, every aunt and uncle and every friend, everyone that says this is hurting and I don't have the answers. I don't have the answers, but in a small sense, having this small platform that I come in to make sure that we're showing up, that we're not living on autopilot. This is it. I want this to be a place where we figure out what are those answers. I said this to try to humanize the Black race, that we are humans, that we have feelings, that when you kill us, it's not the same as hunting deer. You just took a life. You just took a promise. You just took purpose from somebody for no other reason than the color of their skin. I'm going to leave us with this. It may well be that we will have to repent in this generation, not merely for the vitriolic words and the violent actions of the bad people, but for the appalling silence and indifference of the good people who sit around and say, wait on time. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.